eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts here on Wednesday morning. Brunts, we are in the final week of spring football. Does it feel like the final week of spring football? Do you need another couple weeks of of learning who these players are and, and coming up with questions for for new people that don't, uh, don't immediately be my go-to? Of, so how's the transition going for you so far? I think yeah. I've only asked that nine times out of the 11 interviews I've had this spring. Yeah, it's like the spring football version of like talking about the weather. I feel like um, it's hot enough for you. Yeah, <laughs> working harder, hardly working. Uh, I I think the spring has been okay. Matt Rule wants like another two weeks. I don't think we need two weeks, um, but we haven't hit that point yet. And you know what I'm talking about. We're in the spring. You're like it's like the third or fourth week of spring. You're talking to people who are obviously spring stories that you likely will not be talking to in the fall. We haven't hit that point yet. And I think that I think the fact that Nebraska added so many new people has helped um, kind of keep things fresh a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, I'm eager to kind of see what this looks like. I, I think they want to play something resembling football if the offensive line allows. And I don't know. I mean, you've got we'll, – we'll get into this in the hype cast, I'm sure, but – um, you've got Frank Solich coming back. You've got a Herbie, the, the big Herbie glam up reveal. Um, so there's a lot to do here. No, no word on little red though. Right. He sounds like he's gonna, he's gonna skate by. Uh, yes. Redesigned. Apparently I I'll believe it when I see it. I hope they just figured out a way to make his hands less dirty. Like if you okay. look at, you look little at little red's red, been, he's been redesigned. Well, that was the thing. They changed the logo for the black shirts too. It it used to be kind of like more of a side. You looked at it from the side, kind of a like a forty five, mm-hmm. and now it's like straight on and a little bigger. And yeah. it was just a little throwaway line in the press release that Low Red had also been redesigned. But I don't think it's the actual like blow up doll 
low red. I think it's like just mm-hmm. the the image gra- the graphic, yeah. Yeah, with the stupid sideways hat and the number one finger and all that. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other one wasn't visible on camera. Good catch. Good catch there. Uh okay. Let's I, I created a game in my head while you were talking. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some things at you. Then you tell me whether it's a big deal, a spring deal, or doesn't really matter at all. Spring deal means it's just something we're gonna be talking about this spring. Yeah, you don't see it having a an outsized effect on the season overall. So those are your those are your responses, and we will start as we have to at the quarterback position. But we're going to start with Heinrich Harburg. Is Heinrich Harburg's ascension this spring a big deal, just a spring deal, or didn't really mean as much as we've spent time talking about? It? Heinrich Harburg's kind of designed for this question, is he not? Like- yeah. He is this question, really. It's a, it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal. I think deal. it's a big deal. I, I think uh I think Heinrich Harburg is more in the mix than than maybe what I would have expected at the start of spring. Um you know, Marcus Satterfield talked yesterday. I think they like what he gives them as a potential runner. Um, you know, I, I think they they like that he's big and physical and athletic all the things that the staff looks for. And I mean, without Logan Smothers in there, without Casey Thompson in there, he's gotten a lot of work and, and, you know, right behind Jeff Sims. So I, I think it's a, it's a big deal. And I mean, you and I and Brian have talked about this a ton. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have talked about it, but I mean, there, there is attrition coming. Yeah, we don't to the care about people though. What's that? No, no, we, I, I don't, we don't care about their conversations or those people. Only us. Us always. That's the shirts we wear a lot yes. of times. Yes. Husker 24-7, us always. Us always. Uh, yeah, it's his his rise this spring makes that question a lot less daunting of, of who will leave and who will stay, in my opinion. Because I don't think Matt Rule wants, wants to have to get four quarterbacks ready when the season starts. Like, I think if he could get, like, two would be great, three even better. But I don't think he wants to go much farther than that. And I think that Heinrich Harburg right now would be in that mix of these are these are the guys that we're getting ready to potentially help us. So big deal. Big deal. Right. Heinrich Harburg. I would have said spring deal earlier, earlier in the spring. Like when they started practice, I would have said spring deal, but I'm 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 changing my tune. Yeah. This this has me excited. I don't know where you were with Heinrich Harburg, but I really I don't know if it was just the uniqueness of covering a uh, an in-state quarterback commit or what, but one, I have a good relationship with him. Two, I was always pretty enamored with just his physical tools. I mean, this is a guy that was a sprinter. He's a great athlete. He's got, if not the biggest arm on the team, like right there with Richard Torres and Jeff Sims. I think those are the guys that, you know, those three are probably the ones that are going to be able to throw the ball the furthest, put the most pace on it, that kind of thing. And I, I just really, you know, unique kind of athletic skill set. I wanted to see what that looks like. And last year was so bad for him, I think, in terms of even really having the opportunity to be developed that he really, I think, needed this spring. I think the staff has has kind of gone above and beyond making sure he feels comfortable. And I think they've really kind of answered the question that started this spring are you a quarterback? And it seems unequivocally to this staff, the answer is yes. 
Like we don't have to talk about him playing tight end or linebacker or anything like that. He's going to play quarterback. And I think that's a big deal. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, the, it, It's interesting too. I mean, like when you describe Heinrich Carberg, it's like, okay, that he, he is what the staff looks for. He's toolsy. It was just a matter of how was he going to be developed. And I mean, I, I don't think he's alone on this roster of guys that last year just essentially lost a year of development once, once the coaching stuff happened, because, you know, what, what, what carrot is there for a coaching staff to continue to really develop guys farther down on your depth chart? If there's huge questions about whether or not they're going to be there themselves. Like, I I think that's just, you know, that's the unfortunate part of the way things played out last year. I mean, you ended up with Matt rule, so you're feeling good about that, but I, I think he, he more than about anybody, I think, um, you know, will really benefit from another kind of refocus on development. Have you noticed that with the staff, the way we talk about players sometimes is a way that people would talk about transformers like, Oh, he can do this and you can do that. And it's like, it, you know, it's all part of that sort of positionless thing where it's like, Oh, look how you can bend his arms and you can, you know, it's just like this <laughs> weird action figure that's super hyper versatile that can be converted into a sports car at a moment's notice. Like that's, that's how we sort of end up talking about the guys that it feels like the staff really likes. Yeah. And I wonder if that's just the way that it starts for them or if we're still, you know, three years into it, we're still referring to a lot of things as positionless and multiple and vertical, you know, a versatile and, and all of those things. Like I, I, sometimes I just feel like we're talking about a like action figure in a way. I think it's, I think as time goes on, it's going to continue to be, I mean, when you ask these coaches what they, how they evaluate positions and what they look for, it's always traits and tools. Like that's, that's, that's not going to change. Right. Right. So transformers, that's what, that's what Nebraska is recruiting. They're recruiting transformers. We should get a, uh, we need to get like a graphic made so we can really own that thing. Otherwise someone's going to steal this. All my good ideas get stolen. Yeah, so. your hard hat thing really took off. <laughs> I swear, I invented that. And that was all me. I invented the hard hat. Yeah, I mean, not really the hard hat, but putting the sticker on it and walking the players through with the with the sticker. I mean, that was that was me. Let's give me some credit here. All right, enough about me. Moving on. Um, big deal, spring deal, no deal. Gabe Irvin finds another coaching staff enamored with his skill set. Uh, I think it's going to be a big deal. I I continue to believe that that running back room is going to be a little bit, a little bit of a uh, not. I don't want to say by committee, but essentially by committee. Like you're you're not going to have a you know an Amir Abdullah emerge from that running back room. But I think Gabe Irvin has uh, tickled the fancy of this staff a little bit this spring with what he can do, and he you know, to his credit has won the off season um, pretty well. And it's just a matter of him putting to, putting it together in the fall, uh, especially now that he's healthy. I, I don't know that he was particularly healthy and ready to go last year. So I, I will say big deal for Gabe Irvin. What say you? I'm saying spring deal. I got to see him do it in the regular season. I just, I mean, I three Who's other running be? backs. Who's that? it going to be? I don't know, but all the other three guys have more experience and more like reps and more production when it matters. Like I just, I I just have a tough time believing that 
Gabe Urban is better than AJ Allen and Anthony Grant and Ramir Johnson. I just, until I see that actually play out on a football field in an actual game, it just feels like it's a spring deal to me. And I, I will continue to buy whatever stock people sell of AJ Allen because they watched a five second clip. Like I I'm buying that stock. That's me over here. Just getting rich while you guys are getting poor. So spring deal for me. Okay. All right. Wide receiver. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda's new outlook on life. Big deal. Spring deal. No deal. Uh, no deal. All right. He's got, he's got another, I mean, he got an opportunity, a second chance. I don't, I don't know that, uh, I think he's going to be fine. I don't think that his new lease on life, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like it, he'll, he's going to be productive. I thought he would have been, he would have been productive last year if, if they would have. He was for a game and a half and then he just never <laughs> resurfaced until he went into the portal. I, I find it hard to believe that he's just going to be a European flash in the pan. Like I'm, I'm expecting. European Marcus Fleming. Yeah. I'm expecting, I'm expecting things from him. So I, I don't, I don't think it's a huge deal, but I think uh, I, I think he'll be okay. I uh, I'm with you that I don't think it's a huge deal, but I do think that there's a chance he could be one of your two best wide receivers, um, at least in terms of production. Like I, I mean, when he played last year, he was able to produce. We saw that he has the ability to go up and get the ball. I continually say this, and people roll their eyes, and I get it. But when Minnesota and Iowa State want you to come play wide receiver, those are two schools in the Midwest where I'm like, all right, I'm on board with this, you know? So um, I I continue to think there's more for Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. All right, tight end. Thomas Fedoni is healthy. Big deal, spring deal, no deal. Uh, well, based on your your thing that you just said about Gabe Irvin, it's, it's a spring deal, right? Like until you see it, like he's no, still no, no. It. This is a big deal. Okay, we have no, never I... been to this point of spring with <laughs> Thomas Fedoni healthy and ready to go. He's going to participate on Saturday. That's a big deal. Here's here's what I think is a big deal with him. He he's the kind of guy that just from the just like an attitude perspective, you can build around, and yep. like I think that's. That to me is a is a huge deal. I I do think if they if if he can stay healthy, if Eric Gilbert gets his waiver, I that tight end group is going to be scary. Um, I, that scary. that's probably a spring deal. Is saying that the tight end group is going to be great in the fall, but I I think uh, I think that group has potential that they have not had at that position for quite a while. Wow. And you pick these guys to be picks to click every week. So I know what's beyond that. Are we going to have a season MVP that's a tight end as predicted by Michael Brown? (laughs) Co-MVPs. Maybe (laughs) three. Maybe three. Three. They're going to go three three wide. All right. Yeah. We're getting a little little ahead of ourselves. So, okay, three of them. So you got Eric Gilbert getting his waiver. Thomas Fedoni staying healthy. Is it Nate Borkercher or is it new Janiron Bonner? Uh, I'll go Borkercher. I think he's got uh, he's got breakout potential. Okay. All right. I look, I'm excited. I think this is a big deal. Healthy Thomas Fedoni. I, here's the other thing that I think is big in this. He's still here. I don't know if people are aware that that could have played out a lot differently 
in December. He was very affixed to the Scott Frost staff. He really liked Sean Becton. He liked Scott Frost a lot. He chose to come here and it hadn't gone well. It would have made all the sense in the world if he would have been like, you know what? I need a fresh start. I need to go somewhere else. And he's still here. And not only is he still here, he is one of the most competitive people on that team. And that was evident by the fact that he was an offseason captain. They had him get up there and speak. This is a guy who works all the time. And I think Nebraska is going to benefit for that. And he's going to benefit for that. And I'm really excited to see that play out. Offensive line. Bryce Benhart reshapes his body, comma, better pass blocker, says teammate. Big deal, spring deal, no deal. Uh, it's it's a spring deal. We'll see if it happens in the fall. I'm I'm uh I'm in wait and see mode there. Yeah. I, he what is not up for debate is he is he has dramatically reshaped his body. Yep. I mean, he walked by walked through the concourse a couple of weeks ago and we were like, wait, who is that? Like it didn't even look like him. Um, Matt rule says he's an NFL guy that that perks yours up a little bit. Um, but I, I need to see that I think on, uh, in, in Minneapolis or Boulder before I believe it. So yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm cautious there. I'm not, I'm not gobbling up the stock like you are. Um, with, with uh, your A.J. Allen pick there. Yeah, this is a spring deal for me as well. I mean, I would say that I'm cautiously optimistic, partly because when you can see a physical change the way that you have, you hope that that maybe plays out. And I, I think, you know, the biggest thing for me with Bryce Benhart has always kind of been a mentality. He's always talked about how he has to be more aggressive. And I don't know that that's a thing that can you can just be, you know, have instilled in you. But if he gets refined technique to go along with kind of a reshaped body and an emphasis in different areas. Maybe he just needed, you know, a new voice. And so uh, Donovan Rayola isn't necessarily new, but Matt Rule and that strength and conditioning staff are. Uh, so I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm with you spring deal. Here's Defense, a question. Go ahead. Based go. on that, do you think it's, do you find it to be notable or a big deal that you have a head coach, an offensive coordinator, and obviously an offensive line coach, but everybody that has offensive line coaching experience. Does that matter to you? Uh, it does in the sense that line play in particular trench play was a hallmark for Baylor. Um, and so I guess it gives me confidence on both sides of the line that like, there's a certain style that Matt rule teams have that I guess I kind of am transposing that Nebraska is going to have as well, because it's, it, it seems like it's an expectation um, and he builds his teams that way. So I'm, I'm already convinced that Terrence Knighton is not only going to be a good defensive line coach, I'm convinced that he's not going to be at Nebraska particularly long because he's going to be that good of a defensive line coach. Like he'll probably have an opportunity to go coach in the NFL pretty quickly. Um, and they've already got their ready-made replacement to go with that. So I, I just, I sort of view it where the defensive line and the offensive line and, and I'm kind of, you know, combining things here from your original question, but I just view it as this is one of the things Matt Rule has always done really well. And so I think it's going to continue because he has, you know, a strategy for that. He has a plan and he did it well at multiple different stops, even in the NFL. You know, it's not like the Panthers were the greatest offensive line or defensive line, but they were still, you know, it was more of a plus than it ever was a minus uh, for those two groups. And so, um, you know, particularly at Baylor with the defensive line is really what stands out. But I, 
I feel like trench play is going to be so much better with the staff. Maybe not initially, but certainly down the line. So I don't know if that really answered your question or not. No, it did. I, I asked Teddy Prohaska that this week, and he was like, you can tell just the way that coaches talk that they have an offensive line background. And I think that helped. Like, I think you – I think you call plays differently as a coordinator if you have that kind of experience didn't, too. Didn't Rule talk about that? It's like he, he mentioned, he mentioned that was a thing he wanted Marcus Satterfield to experience. That's right. That's just right. Working with the offensive line because suddenly it gives you a new perspective for when you're calling plays about the positions that you're putting these guys in. We know that that was not the thought process of a Mark Whipple. Um, I'm not sure it was a thought process of a Scott Frost either. So. Uh, you know, I, I think that could be helpful, certainly for that group up front. Let's jump over to the defense. We'll hurry this along. I said it was going to be a shorter podcast. I always lie when I say that. So buckle in. Uh, defensive line. I don't know that I have like a great question here, but let's put it this way. Nash Hutmacher hype. Big deal, spring deal, no deal. Feels like there's some excitement for Nash Hutmacher, who's in his fourth year, I think, now with the program, um, and is a guy that uh, I think we've always known has physical gifts, but it hasn't quite translated onto the field. Now he's getting all of the reps, a lot of the work. He's got a new coach, a new defensive line coach, and he seems to be pretty bought in on everything. What are your thoughts on Nash Hutmacher this spring? Uh, he, he also looks to have reworked his body. Um, everybody looks different up top right like is that how you would explain it yeah they're they're much more it it seems a lot more uh less bulky i guess would be the best way it's svelte is how i've been describing the six foot five 325 pound guys yeah svelte yeah they're they're svelte uh i i'm still a spring thing with uh okay with hutmacher and that's that's not a knock on him that's he's another guy that it's like you kind of have heard it you know, a few years. You you need to see it, I think, to to really buy in. So I will. He needs to be a big deal, yeah. um, but we'll see if that that holds true. Yeah, I'm a I'm a spring deal with you on this one, in part because I think we heard a lot of the same things about Ty Robinson in the past, and Ty Robinson's been a very solid player, but he has yet to kind of be like a great player. And so I think I'm in that same boat with Nash Hutmacher. Like, I, I expect him to be solid. But I want to see if he can be great. And so yeah. that's sort of where I'm at uh, with, with those guys in particular. All right, linebacker, second level. Jack position. You got Jamari Butler, MJ Sherman talking all about pass rush. Do you believe it? Big deal, spring deal, no deal. Feels like a spring deal. It's uh, it feels like we're in the honeymoon period with a new scheme. Um, lets you play freer, not thinking as much out there, creating a lot of havoc. Um, get let letting them use their athletic ability. I'm, I'm trying to think what else what else we we've hit on in the past. I I think there's a lot of potential in this defense to scheme up pressure, and I think that NJ Sherman is going to have a big role in that. Jamari Butler needs to kind of take that next step. Um, he's a guy that in small doses has looked good in the past, but I think he's he's in for a bigger role. I think the fact that, you know, Nebraska kind of re-recruited him out of the portal makes it seem like 
they see a fit there at that spot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with spring spring because it's um I don't maybe maybe it's just because we've had so many of these changes yeah. that I think I'm 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 not willing to just jump in and go along at this point. I <laughs> I like both of those guys a lot. Um, I enjoyed interviewing each of them this spring. I'm almost like I'm closer to no deal than I am spring deal because I just I got to see the pass rush. I got like I have to see how it happens, where it comes from. I don't. We spent a lot of time talking about this three three five. We spent a lot of time talking about the different positions in it. I am as excited for that on Saturday to just see what it looks like in different stretches than I am for about anything else. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go no deal with a slight arrow up to where it could be a spring deal. I just, I, I gotta see it. I don't know. Um, I understand MJ Sherman comes from Georgia and was highly regarded, but there's again, a reason that he was available in the transfer portal and Jamari Butler, we've talked about a lot, but there's a reason that we've only talked about him in the hypothetical sense and not in the, Oh, that guy totally took someone's job sense. So what you're expecting is that Nebraska's defense on Saturday is going to get after the quarterbacks like like uh, the defense in 2004 did against uh, Joe Daly. They're going to get after you know, them. That would be, that'd be exciting. You know who got after the quarterbacks? The 2022 spring game defense. They absolutely destroyed Nebraska's offensive line. Garrett Nelson had like seven sacks in that game by himself. Um, I, they're I'm not they're going to be live, though. They're going to have to finish the sack. I know. But it's I'm I'm very I'm very interested in this against that Svelte offensive line too. So the Svelte um, boys, <laughs> the Svelte boys, that's that's the name for the guys up front. I'll run it by pipeline. Like Svelte boys, yeah. your choice. <laughs> I'd rather be the Svelte boys. <laughs> Everyone's a pipeline. Like a, no a one else guys, is a Svelte boy. Bunch of guys wearing cashmere sweaters. <laughs> Why is it cashmere? Is that more thinning? It feels well. It feels felt. Oh, cashmere feels felt. All right, I didn't know that. Uh, defensive back. I don't have a great question for you. Um, actually, I'll just pick out one player. Um, Malcolm Hartog. Big deal. Spring deal. No deal. The idea of him moving to safety, despite being relatively undersized as it is. I think. Uh... In, in Bo Pelini parlance, he's a he's a good football player. I think he can do either. I think he's going to make plays anywhere. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal because I think he can play either place. Like I, there, there's not a ton of question in my mind. That, so you're a no deal on this. Son. Yeah, no deal. Yes. So I I noted it in my notebook, and that's as far as it got. I, I I'm not uh, I'm not losing sleep over that move for Malcolm Hartsog. I don't know that I'm losing sleep, but it does make me wonder a little bit. I mean, we did see DiCaprio Boodle play that. I just feel like you have to have, you have to be scrappy and willing to mix it up. And I don't, I don't know if that's quite Malcolm Hartzog. He's been very good, you know, hand fighting and everything as a defensive back. Um, he's come away with interceptions. I, I don't recall him like stepping into the, the lanes of running backs and taking them down the way that you did with DiCaprio Boodle. So, uh, I'm I'm more of a spring deal on it, uh, but I, I understand where you're coming from. He's going to play. Like, that's the thing. He's going to be somewhere on the field. 
where he is, you know, just remains to be seen. I don't have anything for the the specialists. Do you, do you have one that you want to throw in? Uh, I, I created all of this as we started the podcast. So that's yeah, that's good. As professional good. as everything else we do. Um, I mean, it's hard. It's hard with specialists because the the competition isn't going to start till August, right? Yeah, like it's you know the, one of the competitors is finishing up at Omaha West Side, so I, I don't really have much there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let, we'll just we call just that one on. TV continued. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. Let's take uh let's take a timeout. We're gonna come back. I'm gonna talk some recruiting for a while. We'll get into the spring visit list, what we have confirmed. Um, and I was down at an Under Armour camp over the weekend on Sunday and what I saw there. So we'll talk about that. Brunts will get into a little baseball, all that when we return here at the Husker 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I was down in Kansas City for an Under Armour event, Brunts, and Nebraska had several guys down there. The state of Nebraska, excuse me, had several down there, including Caleb Pyfram. Caleb Benning, you had uh, Teddy Rizak, you had um, Isaiah McMorris, Davon Hall. They they all made the trek down. If there's anybody I'm forgetting, I apologize. But those are the, the ones that I – oh, Danny Kalen um, as well was down there. And Nebraska had a number of targets that were competing in this Under Armour camp. And I, I want to say several things here before I dive into stuff specifically. One, it sounds like this is going to be like a new permanent home for that camp. They had jumped around from Chicago to Columbus. Uh, They really like what they found in Kansas City. It's an area that allowed them to get players from Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, Illinois, Chicago, or excuse me, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota, Kansas. Kid from Colorado, I think, made the trek as well. Uh, So I think because of its proximity to a bunch of different areas, um, I think that's a camp that's going to, to stand the test of time. My second thought is very much this. I hope that this staff, more than the previous ones, spends a lot more time in the Kansas City area. And there's too much talent there that Nebraska has not you know, landed. Uh, Brunts, I don't know if Nebraska has added a player out of the Kansas City area on scholarship since the Davis Twins. And that would be taking you back to 2015. Um, no, Jaden Doss. Jaden Doss would be the first. Yeah. Jaden Doss. So yeah. That's a long gap in there. And there's a lot of talent. And one of the best players. So obviously, you know, Williams Nawanuri was down there. He's a five star. Uh, 
you know, there's there's talk that Nebraska could be getting an official visit. We'll see. Um, I think they're kind of running fourth or fifth amongst the teams that he's truly looking at. The best player I saw in this entire camp was not him. It was his teammate, 2025 wide receiver Isaiah Mosey, whose dad is the head coach at, at uh, Lee Summit North and played at Oklahoma. And so everyone's basically expecting Isaiah Mosey to go to Oklahoma. But there is a ton of talent in that area. So what I'm getting at is even if you're not going to land some of these guys, building those relationships is huge. Presenting yourself as an option in the portal, if that becomes a thing for them, is huge. They just need to really emphasize Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, you know, get into Missouri a little bit more. We can talk about St. Louis all we want until we're blue in the face. But quickly, they've dropped the ball on Kansas City. And so I hope that this staff does more work in that area. And quite frankly, there's a lot of talent in the Midwest. I mean, they, they're going to go and have their spots in Texas, and they're going to spot recruit different positions elsewhere. But they can have a lot of success bringing in kids from the Midwest. And I know that one of the, the tenets and, and goals for, for Matt Rule is to have this big camp series. If he can get 2026s and 2025s from the area states to show up, I think that's going to be really big. I'm very skeptical you're going to get a lot of juniors that are going to be there or juniors to be seniors. Uh, but I, I do think there's a lot of talent in 2025, 2026 within a five-hour drive to Lincoln, Nebraska. And so I'm, I'm very fascinated as to how uh, the staff will go about attacking all of that. So that's just uh, the overarching stuff that I wanted to get into. Individually, one player I didn't mention, he was also there, and he won defensive MVP for the linebacker spot. Christian Jones, um, you know, at the time that people will hear this podcast, I think we'll have it out at 24-7. He's getting bumped in the ratings, even though he's going down overall in the rankings, which is going to be confusing for people, and we're going to have to explain it, uh, and I'll just leave it at this. He got passed up by other people that were rated higher while also receiving a higher rating. So he's going to move from, like, 23 to I don't know, mid-40s, early 50s. Not a big deal. But Christian Jones himself, big deal. I mean, this is a guy that can play coverage uh, really well for a linebacker. He moves really well. He talked to me about how he could play the Will or the Jack or the Mike, and Nebraska's open to all of them because they're just going to see how his body grows. And they think he has the athleticism that he can handle any of those spots. Uh, He's coming out for the spring game this weekend. And so Christian Jones, I think, Brunts is going to be, you know, the next sort of Carter Nelson um, you know, Vaughn Dickerson, uh, Caden Helms. I'm trying to think of guys, you know, less Caden Helms, more Devon Jackson. Guys that really, you know, blew up at the national level. I think that's going to be Christian Jones. And so I think he is uh, on his way in that regard. I'll run through a couple of these other guys and I'll throw some thoughts at you. Uh, Caleb Benning, you know, he had a good camp. He struggled against Isaiah Mosey, but everybody did. And coverage one-on-one isn't necessarily where his strong suit's going to be as a safety. He's a guy that works really well with instincts. We saw it on Sunday. He had a couple interceptions. Every rep he had against Isaiah Hall and against, or excuse me, Davon Hall and Isaiah McMorris, Caleb Benning won. I don't think he allowed a single catch for those guys. I think it, he had five reps against the two of them uh, combined, four or five reps. And so he's very competitive. I, you know, and he was going against good wide receivers and it wasn't a great day throwing the football. So that probably helped to a degree, but I think Caleb Benning's a a really solid player. I think Kansas state is a school to kind of watch 
Um, I don't think he's a lock to Nebraska by any means, uh, but he obviously has a good relationship with the staff. Isaiah McMorris, on the other hand, I would say things are looking better there. Oklahoma took a wide receiver commitment, I think might have taken his spot. Uh, we saw flips on the crystal ball to USC. USC is not really an option, I think, for Isaiah McMorris right at this moment, though he is very interested in that program. I just don't know that he can commit there. I think Nebraska can be circling here a little bit. Obviously, Penn State's another school that he likes quite a bit, uh, but would not rule out the idea of Nebraska getting back in for Isaiah McMorris or for Davon Hall. Uh, he had, you know, uh, some nice things to say about Matt Rule. He's trying to, to build the relationship with the staff um, back up a little bit. I don't think he will be at the spring game, but he is planning on coming out at least a couple times over the summer, including an official visit. He had a pretty good camp. You know, it was good to see him play well because he had, a, I thought, kind of an underwhelming junior year. And so I thought he looked really good in that camp setting. If that, you know, if that translates in the fall, it would be really good for Davon Hall. Caleb Pipram, a guy that, you know, feels a lot of love from Nebraska. The team that I think people have to watch out for isn't so much Iowa, Penn State. He's speaking really highly of Penn State. So uh, for whatever reason, the Nittany Lions have, Davon Hall and Caleb Pyfram and Isaiah McMorris all quite interested in, in what James Franklin and Penn State are doing there. But he really likes the staff. He spoke a lot about Keith Williams, a guy that I think you've talked to, Brunts. Um, he, you know, Keith Williams is getting really involved in, in recruiting, even though he's not an assistant coach. He talks more, I think, with Keith Williams than he does Donovan Rayola. So that could be an important relationship. Uh, for Nebraska moving forward. Talked briefly with Danny Kalen. He's obviously very excited about his commitment to Missouri. I don't think there's going to be any sort of kicking of the tires by Nebraska there. I think he's pretty well locked in. But that's kind of a quick rundown of everything. Uh, you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, comments? Um, yeah. It, Caleb Pyfram is, is in the most interesting to me out of that group. I mean, I, He's I also think bigger than I realized, by the way. What, what those types of camp settings are always really tough to get a read on guys. Um, I mean, you're, you're going one-on-one -on -one with a defensive lineman and you're not wearing pads. Um, and there's no other lineman going like it's right. There's no help. It's just you, you know, it's, it's a different for sure. What, how did he move though? Like the, the C for that size. Cause I, that's the other thing I, I, I he was a Jane Lloyd's, commitment announcement and he walked in and I was like oh yeah you're a lot bigger than I expected yeah. I mean like that's kind of the first reaction but how, how did how did you feel like he kind of did with the athletic stuff there he was a right tackle during the one-on-one -on -one reps and he didn't take as many as I would I would like to have seen him a few more but he only took a handful and the first one um it looked like he didn't quite have the footwork that he wanted but he was still able to get his arm out and kind of prevent the guy from blowing by him and slowed him down just enough that he could get his body back to where he was. So he got a stalemate out of that one, even though you would consider it maybe a pressure from the, from the end. It's hard to tell the tackling dummy doesn't have any real pocket awareness. So he didn't like step up when he saw this guy coming, you know, so what could you do there? But on the, on the other reps, I mean, he, he held his own. I mean, I think he could play right tackle. Like I, I think I don't think he could be a left tackle like just about everyone ever that Nebraska recruits. I think he's more long-term future and probably more interior offensive line. But I think he can play college right tackle. And I I think he moves pretty well. Um, 
he's certainly someone that, you know, it's probably more raw than really refined right now, but just big guy. And the footwork after that first rep was pretty good. Like he got his feet where they needed to be. Um, I can't speak to the hand placement because I'm not that technical with it, but I know this. Alan True was really impressed, especially coming off the idea that, you know, Caleb Pyfirm hasn't been in a camp like this. Like the setting is just different. And the guys he was going against have power five offers as defensive ends. So it wasn't like he, you know, that's the thing. Sometimes these things are really good because they get a chance to go against talented people and you get to measure them against people that they're, you know, in the same recruiting pool with. So I thought that he performed pretty well and, and stood out in that regard. Um, I don't know where we have him rated in state. I would bump him up to being one of the more important pieces that Nebraska can get. You know, I honestly, and this might be sacrilegious to some, I'd probably put him over the wide receivers. Like if you're like, Mike, if Nebraska could get Caleb Pyfram or Isaiah McMorris, I'm probably taking Pyfram. If you're Pyfram or Davon Hall, I'm taking Pyfram. You know, I there's not, for the 2024 group, other than maybe Carter Nelson, and even that, it's a lot of projection. I, I would put Pi from up towards the top of the list of the importance of in-state players, just because one, he's a pretty good offensive lineman. Two, he's going to be connected to some guys that are coming through that are going to be important recruits for you. And it would be a good win in Omaha from an optics standpoint, even more so than getting one of the Bell West ride receivers. So um, I think there's a lot of different reasons for this, but I, I regard Caleb Pi from pretty highly in this class. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think, uh, well, I mean, and you just look at the way that, A, that Matt Rule's staff wants to operate. They want to be a very developmental program. And just the numbers or lack thereof at, at offensive line, um, that, that would be a big win. And I mean, when, if you were able to kind of pair him, you've got Gibson Pyle in the class already. You're bringing in that group of Sledge, Knutson, and uh, I'm blank Mason Goldman. Who else? I'm blanking on that. Gunnar Cthulhu is already there. Cthulhu's already here. So you're kind of stacking those two classes of guys that are mostly regional recruits, aside from Pyle. That that to me seems like a a core group that you can really kind of nurture and bring along together. So I I'm, I'm with you. I think that's that's probably an important recruiting battle that maybe we're not talking about enough locally. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's fair. Um, and then in addition to that, there are also two guys that were there, Caden Massey, Kyle Rakers, Nebraska's in pretty good position for both of those. I mean, I think Kyle Rakers is the de facto replacement for Gage Ginther that was on their board. I mean, I, I think that they would bring him in to be an interior offensive lineman. He packed on about 40 to 50 pounds after talking with Donovan Rayola in the fall. And Rail is like, we need you to be bigger or you'd be a center for us. And then he showed up the other day at Nebraska and they were pretty, pretty impressed by his, his ability to, to add that weight on. I mean, no one's ever been impressed when I put 40 pounds on in five months. But <laughs> when Kyle Rakers did it, it moved him up on the board a little bit. And so he not, was not a salt boy. Yeah, he was a guy that looked like he's been an offensive lineman for a while and was very comfortable. He had some of the more spirited fights going against Juju Marks and some other people uh, that were down there in that Kansas City camp. But he was not afraid to mix it up playing at the right guard spot. So Kyle Rakers, certainly. And then Caden Massey, um, this is a big kind of recruiting battle in itself. He is a huge kid. I mean, he is basically a shade shorter than Teddy Prohaska. 
played at a low level in Kansas, is a future left tackle, very raw, struggled his first rep each time, would get some coaching, dominated the second rep every time. So I think there's a lot of enthusiasm, and I would not be surprised at all if he makes a big jump on 24-7. That is a Nebraska, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma battle. All big eight schools. Iowa State's in there a little bit too. I'm sure there's some other schools. Either he's going to blow up like Carter Nelson and he's going to get a lot more offers despite where he plays, uh, or he's going to be one of those really important regional recruits. And Nebraska, I think, is in a good spot to get an official visit. He was planning on – he wanted to come back for the spring game, but he's got a powerlifting competition, uh, which, you know, I I don't know if the staff – the staff loves track. Maybe they love powerlifting too, and, and that's going to get them all fired up. But, uh, yeah, Caden Massey, a name to certainly know moving forward. I mean, he's – obviously, you'd love to get a Brandon Baker or somebody like that. More realistically, Cade Massey could be the left tackle in this class. But they have to beat out some really good teams to do it. It's interesting, like, when you when you go through the list of who you've talked about and you also – the list of prospects who are at that that camp, Nebraska's done a really good job of getting yeah. a lot of those kids on campus this spring and not just the big – We're just offering them before right. other people. There's a wide receiver, 2025 out of Oklahoma, C.J. Simon. Uh, Alan True comes racing down the sidelines. He's like, you know the Nebraska offered this kid? And I was like, no. He's like, go watch him. He was really good. I mean, he's he's got Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, I guess, is going to get more involved now. It's going to be difficult. But I, the evaluation and and everything early on for even the 25s and 26s, like, they're doing some work back in that recruiting department. Yeah, it's I've been impressed with what they've been able to do, not not even from the standpoint of just like big tent pole type recruiting weekends, because it was very impressive that they were able to get as many highly ranked prospects as they could on campus uh, for that weekend with Dylan Rayola and that crew. Um, but just the the kind of tr- steady trickle of guys who are on Nebraska high on Nebraska's board coming in for a Tuesday spring practice or stopping in for a random Saturday scrimmage. I think they've done a really good job there of kind of setting the table a little bit, even though I, I think in 24, they're still just a little bit behind. Yeah, they, they definitely um, are. And they would tell you they are, but I think they're getting closer and I think they've done a really good job of making sure that guys get to Nebraska, see the coaches coaching see what it looks like rather than just doing the, Hey, come for a random weekend. We'll take your picture. We're in the jerseys and, and, you know, call and do it, do it like that. So that, that stood out to me that more with this staff, the amount of players who have just shown up for practice. I mean, it kind of happened this week too, with Cohen Eccles out of the offensive lineman out of Texas, he gets an offer there. Um, that that's been kind of a, a, a recurring theme with this group so far this spring. Yeah. Do you want to real quickly just run through the, the names that we have confirmed for spring visit list, or at least a handful of them. You don't have to give them all away, but uh, just, just tease the people with what we got. Well, you, you already hit on Christian Jones. I think in terms of the 25 class, getting him back on campus, uh, that that's a big deal. Um and I agree with you. I think he's got the potential to be the the type of prospect that after this spring, you're going to see even bigger national programs jumping in with with offers for him. 
um, once they get a chance to come in and see him. Um, beyond that, um, pull it up here. Maybe. This is great. Scintillating podcasting right here. By the way, you were talking about Kansas City. Um, before Jaden Doss, the last prospect that Nebraska got out of the Kansas City area. Um, Jamie on McQuitty? No, he was Bo Columbia. Wilson. Oh, Wilson. All right. Um, yeah. All right. So among the, the other kind of bigger names, um, you've got Brandon Baker, who you mentioned, coming back again. He was here in March. Uh, for that weekend, Willis McGahey, the fourth, uh, another, obviously, uh, <laughs> son of Willis McGahey, um, was here for a spring practice early in the spring. Which Nebraska, I think, has a more than fighting chance as long as Miami doesn't come through with an offer. Yes, I think that's fair. Um, Carter Nelson, uh, tight end in Ainsworth that just finished up a, uh, I think he hit almost every school in the SEC, it seemed like, on the, on that trip. Um <laughs> But he'll be back in Lincoln again. That that feels like to me a situation where you follow the visits. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, I think Nebraska is going to end up with Carter Nelson. A couple other names of note. Um, Makai, I believe it's Sena, um, but four-star offensive lineman at Arlington Martin. That's where Bob Wager coached. Um, that's where Ismail Smith-Flores played. That's where Jeremiah Charles played. Um, the, the two signees in the last class, they'll both be here um, for the spring game. I'm expecting a big group of signees to be on the sidelines per usual, but uh, getting him here in Nebraska was in his top 10 that he released uh, a few weeks ago. Um, but, but getting the chance to kind of show off with all the Arlington Martin connections uh, th- that's notable to me. Uh, one other guy that that kind of stands out, uh, really athletic defensive back. We've got him in, uh, as a four-star in 24-7 sports. Uh, Peyton Morgan uh, out, out of Central Texas. He's going to be up. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that that kind of comes from that area around Waco that's familiar with Matt Rule and kind of what they were able to do at, at Baylor. Uh, he, he's an interesting one to me as well. There's more on the list that we have at uh, Husker 24-7 and will be many, many more additions over the next few days as, as these lists tend to, to do. All right. Let's, uh, let's give you a few minutes to talk about Nebraska baseball, which did not complete a game with Creighton last night. The Huskers have three runners on base, which is the most runners you can have on base. They have no outs, which is the least amount of outs that you can have. Yes. And it is in the eighth inning. When seven. Play Bottom of the seven. May, whatever. Bottom of the seventh. Uh, when play resumes, May, whatever. So, yeah, that felt like it was scripted. The the entire thing, Nebraska battling back, they finally have a chance to take a lead in this game, and then a big lightning strike, and it's it's over. It's what What's kind of crazy is, like, if you had one more batter, like, that game is probably over. Creighton's fine with, with that game being 5-4, to four, heading home, and just being done with it. Like, for these, for both of these teams, there was like, aside from just beating a rival, there was absolutely no benefit to that game going nine innings, and they stopped it. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I mean, Creighton headed for the bus. They waited till ten o'clock, and now they're going to Nebraska. Says it's going to be at a date to be determined. They play again May 9th in Omaha. 
I would expect that you'll probably get a resumption of the game then. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, Nebraska fights back. Bryce Matthews hits an absolute bomb. Yeah, um, that was beautiful. And a, as emphatic as a bat flip as I can remember by a Nebraska player. Is that fair to say? He threw it across the diamond, right? He kind of like chucked it. Um, like he's a he's a right-handed hitter. Yeah, he hits it. He watches it. He's going down the first baseline, and then he throws it across his body, which would go over the you know through the diamond to the other side. That in itself was you know a lot of times teams are in the visitors box, and so you just toss it towards your teammates. I mean, it was uh, it was quite the bat flip. Yasiel Puig would have been impressed. Yeah, he didn't do like the Korean baseball like. Kind of let it let, fly, let, yeah. let go, and then just kind of like tomahawk it. That's always my favorite. But um, yeah, so Nebraska fought back. Game's tied. Um, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the, the midweeks for Nebraska's purposes at this point are are kind of immaterial. Um, you know, Nebraska. Well, they right need around, to win them. Yeah, but I mean, they they got to win them, but it it doesn't really do anything RPI wise for you. Like there is a. And, and has been this way for a few weeks. Nebraska is going to be very RPI challenged. Yeah, like there's there's a chance that you know they could win the Big Ten regular season and would still be probably outside the bubble for an at-large NCAA tournament bid, just because yeah. of the way that the schedule is broken. Um, certainly, you know, losing the early season non-conference games don't help you, but strength of schedule is such an important metric for RPI. And it just has not worked in Nebraska's favor. Like even the, even the games that would help you in the conference, Nebraska's not playing this year. Like you don't get Rutgers, which I mean, it's funny. Like Rutgers and Michigan State would be helping them so much right now in RPI, and you're not getting either of them. Um, you know, same with Indiana. That's probably going to end up being like a top 35 RPI team. So it, it's going to be tough, um, but. It's a fun team to watch play. I mean, they've got three guys that have hit 10 home runs. Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson seem like they're just trying to top each other uh, in terms of the way that they're hitting right now. I mean, both both players are legitimate contenders for a potential triple crown within the Big Ten um, batting races, which is kind of wild. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they just have to continue to stack wins and, and hope that the resume looks okay. But that 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 RPI number they're going to be dragging around like a boat anchor for most of the rest of the season. I, there's still what, like 15 games left. Uh, at least. So like what, and it's crazy because Max Anderson is having no less of a great season. And I always focus on Bryce Matthews, but what's the most comparable season to what we're seeing these guys do? I mean, you have to go back to what 2004 Gordon. Uh, yeah. I mean, like we're just invoking that. Alex Gordon. I know the type I, I, of year that two guys are having on Nebraska's team. You don't want to do it, but I mean, that's probably the best comp. And, you know, by the way, Bryce Matthews has stolen what I think 14 or 15 bases. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, Nebraska's leading home run hitter, aside from Scott Schreiber hitting 18 in 2018 during the Big Ten era, has never been higher than 10. And they've yeah. got th- three guys right now who are at or above that number. 
And it, it wouldn't shock me if someone goes past that 18 either. I mean, Bryce Matthews is at 14 right now. 13? 13, because that game's not official yet. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's... They, they force him to finish that game out so he can have his 19th home run. <laughs> Give him his home run. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, Max Anderson's hitting 417. Matthews is hitting 409. Uh, OPS for Anderson is 1291. For Matthews, it's 1322. Insane. Like, I, I don't know that people really understand how... Impressive. I mean, and Bryce Matthews has an on-base percentage of over 500. Yeah, it's incredible. And like everyone, I understand he strikes out. And I certainly defensively, he has not been good. Uh, I think he's the only option they have at shortstop or otherwise he'd probably be playing somewhere else or DHing. But the on-base percentage, like half of the time he goes to the plate, he's on base. You just talked about his ability to steal. If he walks, he can make it a double for you in yeah. some situations. Like it's just, even, even his single the other day was just roped through the, you know, the middle of the, the diamond. Like he just, everything he's doing right now is super impressive. We're probably talking about someone that's going to get drafted in the top, I don't know, eight rounds. Uh, when, when we get there, I mean, he hit a, he hit a double the other day against Northwestern that went to right center field. And it was, I think it was like one Oh seven or one Oh eight off the bat. Like <laughs> it, it, it did not get very high and it like one hopped the wall in, in right center at Haymarket park, which that's not, that's not a small thing. Like it's, a, it's been impressive in both of them. I mean, Bryce Matthews through most of his career has been a relatively streaky hitter, both for good and for bad. And and both he and Max Anderson have just, I mean, they've basically been on a, on a tear since the season started. Well, and this should make, and I understand that Will Bolt is, uh, you know, hearing it from the fans about the lack of wins against Omaha and Creighton and everything else. But this should make fans feel pretty good about what the development possibilities are for these guys i mean look at look at bryce matthews two years ago versus what he is now max anderson didn't have the greatest sophomore year after having a nice freshman debut obviously you got to come in with some talent but they have figured out ways to optimize these swings and they're clearly doing really good work with them in the offseason that they are just assaulting these pitchers and i understand that you know it's not like there's a ton of great pitching prospects throughout the big 10 but i mean matthews has hit pretty much everybody he's faced even going back to the non-conference same with anderson like i i'm super impressed by what we've seen from these players well i think what they've offensively i think you know last year was a struggle there's no question about that i mean they're as a team hitting almost 100 points higher than they did last season um but i think what they figured out and i mean they've known this but i think actually reconfiguring your roster to to allow it to happen is is kind of difficult to do but they knew that they needed to get older in the offseason and I think what you've seen too is you've seen guys like Matthews especially benefit from the guys who are hitting around him I mean Casey Burnham in the nine spot he was he was hitting in the nine spot for a large portion of the season has an on-base percentage that's almost as good as Matthews in, in the nine spot so there were RBI opportunities and Matthews was able to take advantage. And all of a sudden 
you know, you've got Gabe Swanson and Garrett Anglum hitting behind Max Anderson. So you can't pitch around him as much as you could in the past. And I, I think that's been maybe what's, you know, been, a, it's been a key for both of those guys is that I think as a team, the, the hitters around those two have gotten better and those two guys are benefiting from that as well. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot that they're going to have to replace going into the next season. I mean, I'm not expecting that you're going to see Bryce or Max back. Um, And and those are going to be big shoes to fill. But, you know, I I think with a mix of development with young guys, finding the right guys on the portal, I I think you can kind of reload a little bit faster than, you know, in the past with Nebraska, it always seemed like you'd have a really good year and then you would kind of need another year to to bring guys along. That's kind of like the big 10 model. And I don't think you have to do that as much anymore now with the portal and uh, certainly with Juco recruiting too, which I think Nebraska can take advantage of. All right, Brunt, what's next for Nebraska baseball? Uh, So they've got three on the road against Iowa this weekend, Iowa who knocked off LSU um, early in the season has struggled uh, in, in big 10 play. Uh, they actually lost a, a midweek to Illinois Chicago, I think, last night. Um, but they, on Friday, they're going to see Brody Brecht, who's one of the bigger arms in college baseball, let alone the Big Ten. He'll get close he to quit 100. football. There's only focus on baseball. Yeah, he, he's going to get close to 100 with the fastball. He's got a good slider. Um, he's also been gettable, like he's effectively wild. So if Nebraska can have a little plate discipline, I think they should be able to handle things. But uh, th- this is an important series for Nebraska in terms of conference standings. Uh, it was going to be a bigger one RPI-wise. It's a road series against a top, I think, 60 RPI team. So it matters for sure. Uh, so they've got to get, they've got to, uh, to definitely win this one, win, win this series. All right, I promised a short podcast, and you got an hour out of the Husker 24-7 duo today. Uh, Brian Christopherson will be back joining us. We're going to have a hype cast on Friday. Probably won't have a guest. It'll probably just be the three of us. I'll tell Brunch he's not allowed to talk about the tight ends, but he'll still figure out a way to work them into the discussion. Uh, And we'll get you ready for the up-and-coming red-white game on Saturday. Be sure to check out everything we got going on at Husker247.com. Before then, we'll be back on Friday. For Michael Brunson, I'm Mike Schaefer. We're Husker247. We'll catch you later.